putting on a beer fest is hard work. We know this because we're hosting the upcoming Better On Draft Beer Festival over at Jimmy John's Field on October 9th. Stay tuned to find out how to get tickets. But for now, enjoy this episode with Alan from Burning Foot Beer Festival, how he explains how he runs a both music and beer festival at the same time. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Zatuna Liquor in Rochester Hills, just south of M59 on Rochester Road. North Center Brewing over in Northville, Michigan, just south of Baseline Road in Northville. Also check them in downtown Northville in their drinking district. Check out our newest sponsor, PCI Brandcraft. That's at PCI Brandcraft on Facebook and Instagram. Everything that you want to throw your logo on, that's what they take care of for you. Like us on all of our social medias, Veteran Draft on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, you can watch us live 7 p.m. Eastern at Facebook.com forward slash Better on draft or better on draft.tv also find out what we were drinking by following us on untapped that's bod podcast we appreciate you listening and we will see you soon whether your beer is in a bottle can or glass kick back and relax it's better on draft Welcome, everybody. This is the Michigan Series, episode number 15. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. If you are listening via the podcast, you can, of course, join us live Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern. As we bring guests, you can ask questions and just drink with us, especially if you got nothing to do on a Friday. You know, it's hot outside. You want to uh, stay in. The AC is nice. Grab a beer and join us. Joining me tonight, we got plenty of co-hosts, including Wendy. How are you doing today, Wendy? I am fantastic. I'm loving it that it's Friday again. And what are you drinking? I have uh, Pigeon Hill Beach, please. Um, felt like it was the right uh, mood for me to be in was the beach beer. Um, I'm also going to pull a Nick today, and I found a Yellow Belly, one of the Cease and Desist final batches to enjoy this evening. We, I believe, actually just re-uploaded uh, episode 252 onto our YouTube with Henek Fenny of Omnipoyo. So go check that out. Dan and I got a chance to interview him, which was a great interview. Uh, and if you actually watch it on our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash better on draft, you can see the brand new brewery they were building out for Omnipoyo. But we also have Rob. Rob, what are you drinking over there? Uh, right now, I am drinking a uh, Dewclaw uh, Sour Me Unicorn Farts. Uh, complete with the glitter that's in here. Uh, and I also have a little sipper in my no rules glass. I have some two James barrel aged gin that I'm rocking. So that's what's up. All right. And we also have Dan. Dan, how you doing? Hey, doing good. What are you drinking? Uh, I got the usual vodka soda going on. A little bit of stole. Awesome. For myself, before we introduce our guest, I have got the last can of my Weldworks Alt Beer. Um, and I am excited to announce that uh, there are a couple breweries making an Alt Beer this fall, which we will be discussing during the news segment, the July 30th news segment. So if you're listening via podcast, it'll come out on Monday. But our guest in our virtual studio tonight, we have Alan from the Burning Foot Beer Festival. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? We good. are well. Most importantly, what are you drinking? I'm starting this evening with some Grand Armory Wheezing the Juice, but I've got a variety in my cooler next to me. So as the night goes on, I'll transition to some other stuff. Uh, well, it looks like you want to go hard because you probably can't go hard when you're hosting a festival. Uh, talk to us. What is the Burning Foot Beer Festival? So the Burning Foot Beer Festival is a uh, beach-centric uh, beer festival that incorporates music, 
art, camping, uh, over 80 breweries, and it's all in the sand in Muskegon, right on the shores of Lake Michigan. I get a beautiful sunset with it. Uh, it is a truly unique, one-of-a-kind setup there. Uh, we're set up in a circle format. So when you enter in the festival, you are surrounded by 360 degrees of brewery, music, art, you name it. It's all around you. Now, Burning Foot Beer Festival is, uh, tagline is not your ordinary beer festival. Talk to us about what you get when you go to the Burning Foot Beer Festival versus other beer festivals. Yeah, so like things that are common that you would get at any beer festival is you're going to have a large variety of breweries to choose from, and all those breweries are pouring samples out that uh, you can taste, and you know obviously you can visit as many of those as you can handle. Where we take the exit is right after that point. You know we're not set up in a parking lot; we're set up in the beach. We're set up on the sand, so you can take your shoes off and walk around. Uh, we have two different music stages. We actually have to build a road on the sand to be able to bring out these huge trailers and stages. And um, we bring in national music acts. We bring in regional music acts. We bring in a number of local acts as well. And so this year we have nine different music acts that will be taking place on two different stages in six hour period of time. Um, we also commission our own art. So we have 20 different art exhibition pieces that we've had built. One of those being the Hop Tower, which is in the middle of the circle. It's a 30 foot tall tower that lights on fire and it's a huge hop cone. So it's kind of like the eternal flame of beer that's always going on when the festival's going. Uh, and then right next to the festival grounds is a camping area. So you can actually bring your tent out. If you pay for a ticket, you can bring your tent out and camp right on the shores of Lake Michigan. You can camp right in the sand, right next to the water's edge. It's the only time of year you can camp on the beach in Muskegon as well. So, you know, we have the elements of what you would expect to have at a beer festival, but we immediately take an exit and we do a bunch of really cool stuff um, that just brings in that whole environment of, of community craft um, and enjoying your time out on the beach. Are we able to know any of the music acts that are coming this year? Yeah, yeah. We announced uh, last week, Friday. So um, we have a number of local acts that are coming out. Uh, we have Brother Crow. Uh, we have uh, Northern Julia, which is actually a combination of, of a Northern song and Julia and the Greenside. Um, we have Flexidustable coming out, which is a really popular Muskegon-based band. We have Melophobics, which is out of Grand Rapids, very popular Grand Rapids band. Mustard Plugs coming back. So we kind of do some like 90s uh, ska music that's out there, which when you're drinking beer on the beach fits really, really, really well. Like you're just kind of like bopping around and enjoying your time. Um, after that, we have Remo Drive, which is out of Minneapolis. That'll be coming in. And the headliner this year will be Eve Six will be out there. So every year we always bring somebody national headliner that's in. In 2019, uh, we had Sponge, which is obviously a great Detroit band. We know a lot of their music. And then they had opened for Everclear, which we brought in from California as well. So we had we had two headliners that are out on the beach, which Funny side story. I didn't know this when we had like booked the music. We're working with buyers and agents and all kinds of other stuff. And we got these two bands to play together. And I didn't realize that um, 
Everclear's first tour they ever went on was as a supporting act to Sponge. Sponge was huge at the time. They went on this national tour and Everclear was their opener. And those guys became like lifelong friends. So in 19, when they played, it was like a reunion show for them. They were backstage laughing, joking around. And then at the very end, their encore, both bands came on and they played together. And it was just a really cool environment that, that just happened to take place. So... Right. I will say that uh, I definitely have had my my share of uh, all of Mustard Plug, Sponge, and Everclear. <laughs> that is that is quite a quite a bit of a lineup. I, I am I am definitely very surprised. Once you said E six, it just like completely brought back um, my my high school days. Or as some of these guys over here will say, uh, when I was going back to uh, adult learning because I was definitely that old enough to be doing that, uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know, from, from the, uh, from looking at the brewery list, uh, that that's out there as expected, you know, it's, it's pretty Michigan heavy with, it looked like it was probably about 95% of the breweries, uh, being local to the state. Um, obviously we're pretty spoiled when it comes to beer in state, but, um, what are your thoughts on maybe expanding to get more out of state breweries in the mix? Yeah, the goal every year is to get more more out of state. Not that there's anything against our own backyard, but um, it's all about distribution. So we, if if they're not registered in the state of Michigan, then it's hard to get them in. And we try to keep the breweries that are outside of Michigan pretty much on the shoreline of Michigan going around. So the guild that that is the body above Burning Foot is the Lakeshore Brewers Guild. So. We're really here to represent breweries that are in those states that are touching Lake Michigan and more importantly, the counties all the way around the lake that touch Lake Michigan. So we work hard to try to get those in. A lot of times it's logistics or distribution or a number of things, but we have um, a very active conversation with with breweries all over all over the Midwest um, that want to come in. So, but yeah, it's definitely Michigan heavy. Uh, we're excited to have three Floyds joining us this year, which will be their first beer festival in Michigan as well. So I'm, uh, I think this will be a good intro to them. They're like, welcome to Michigan here on the beach. Enjoy your time. I think considering how many bottles and cans have been muled into Michigan, it's kind of a, <laughs> about time you're here, Michigan party, as opposed to a welcome to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious, you, you brought up um, the Lakeshore Brewers Guild. I, I was, I looked this up. I was very curious about this because for the most part, from, you know, my perspective, it's just been the Michigan Brewers Guild and that's it. And I've never really like just, I guess, opened my eyes to see that there were other guilds that were in the state. So I guess, Give us kind of an overview of what the Lakeshore Brewers Guild is. Yeah, so I'm glad that you brought that up. So we have an amazing relationship with the Michigan Brewers Guild. We were, I was just talking to them the other day. Behind the scenes, we share a lot of info back and forth, and and we make sure we're good stewards of always promoting craft beer in the right format. So when we first created Burning Foot, we created a body behind it that was a guild. And that way, any revenue generated from the festival would go to the guild. And that guild's purpose is to promote craft beer. So we had a really open, active conversation with the Michigan Brewers Guild. And they really, really, really loved this idea because 
the Michigan Brewers Guild was getting so big, it was, it was hard for them to promote all of the breweries all across the state. So there was more of a focus on making like regional guilds within the state. So like Beer City Brewers Guild really focuses on Grand Rapids and they do a good job of promoting like GR based breweries. So for us being on the west side of the state, we wanted to focus on that geographic area of being right on the lakeshore. So we took every county that goes up to Mackinac and all the way down to the border And that's the focus for Michigan for us is breweries that are within that county. We're trying to promote those breweries that are there. And that gives us some West side appeal. Um, But for us, we are really unique in that format of being one of the only multi-state brewers guilds in the country where we're actually taking Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin into account. Same format breweries that are in those counties are the ones that we are representing. Of course, we have dues that they can have um, and be part of the guild from there. And then we also invite the breweries that are within those states as well to be able to attend the festival. So it's not just the Michigan or just the um, Lakeshore Brewers Guild members. It's also breweries within those states that can that can come in. But brewery members always have first rights to be able to attend. So Okay. Yeah. Now, now, I know that you know, with the, the Michigan Brewers Guild that – you know, they do a lot of lobbying to the state to get laws changed and things, things of that nature. Are there are there things that that the Lakeshore Brewers Guild has brought up to the Michigan Brewers Guild that they would like to see some changes that would happen uh, that that would help in, in you know, business and getting people out there and things of that nature? Yeah. So it's kind of a fine line. So above Michigan Brewers Guild, there's a there's a national governing body, the BA, the Brewers Association. Right. And they really, they either recognize or do not recognize guilds within, within their, their bylaws that they have. So by definition, how it works in the state of Michigan is the Michigan Brewers Guild is like the legislative branch. They're the ones working and lobbying in on Lansing and that's their recognition by BA. And then any other guild that is in that first is recognized by the state guild. But then other than that, their primary focus is tourism. So by BA's definition, we're a tourism-based guild. But what we do kind of behind the scenes is we support um, initiatives that the Michigan Brewers Guild has. And we've actually had like us and brewers, uh, the Beer City Brewers Guild, have signed on to some supporting notes that they've had um, for labor and distribution and other stuff. So we give it a supporting voice, but we don't really have like any vote or or other initiatives. Like we could go to Lansing and support something that's there. We're just a supporting body representing our breweries that are in our backyard. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to throw one more out here. Uh, obviously with, uh, I believe this is the sixth year it's running now for, for, yeah. Yeah. Uh, would have been seven. <laughs> would have been seven. Exactly. Been that's, seven. that's actually where my question was kind of going was that, you know, having this year off due to the pandemic, um, what is made planning for this year's running uh, of the event to be more to be worth the wait? <laughs> well, so planning is was chaos, uh, to put it lightly. They because we didn't know how the state was going to reopen. We didn't know when it was going to, we just kind of had faith that we looked at the metrics that everyone else was looking at online. And we, we could see this downtrend and knowing that we were at the end of August, we felt comfortable. We could produce something, but we waited really to sign any contracts or get into deep conversation until we knew we could actually produce a festival. And that was 
late May before we really knew that happened. So normally we're spending all year planning this festival. We're having active conversations. We're doing a number of different things just to keep everybody in the loop on what the next year's production of the festival will look like. Trying to do that in 90 days has been a feat. Um, Booking talent for one thing has been really, really difficult. That's why it took us so long to actually uh, announce who the bands were. Normally we're announcing them the second week of May. And we just got to announcing them last week. And the reason for that is every festival and all the bands decided at the same time, they're going on tour and they're actually going to book shows. And then every festival goes, okay, we're going to produce a festival. We need to go book music. And we were seeing bands become available and a half hour later, they were unavailable. It was just, it was an ongoing nonstop conversation. I spent three or four hours on a phone with our talent buyer, like, okay, is this person available? They'd go check. Nope, they're not available anymore. Then we go back to the next round and try to do it. So um, it's for us, you know, producing the festival is, is a labor of love. Like we love to do it. We're a volunteer baseboard. We love to highlight all the different things that we're doing and, and what makes it worth the wait um, actively. We have people who have all of these amazing memories of being at the festival and we're so excited to share that with them again. We had to wait and uh, we finally get a chance to get back in the circle and enjoy each other's time and really just celebrate craft beer and good music and this beautiful shoreline we have here. Like that's that's the prize. That's what it's that's what's worth waiting for. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pass it over to Wendy because she's got a couple. Uh, so I'm actually just curious. Um, I have been to a few festivals so far this year, and I know that a lot of them look very different than they have in the past. Are there any changes that you're implementing to try to keep people safe? What What is it that people who have been there before can expect to be different? So from a, from a uh, operational point of view, um, it's going to be a very similar format. We're going to have a big circle. I was going to be able to come in and enjoy that time there. But we have a huge amount of space uh, for the festival grounds themselves. We have about 300,000 square feet just for uh, the festival grounds themselves. That's not including camping, which is another 180,000 square feet next to it. So we have an immense amount of space that's only limited to about 5,000 people. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're still practicing your social distancing, there's plenty of space to do that. It's hard when you have to approach a single point for service. So when you have to go in front of a brewery tent, we can't really help how many people may be lining up. Like there just isn't good guidelines that are around that. At this point, the state has not implemented that we have to do that. There aren't any exterior restrictions, but we do offer a lot of people space to be able to go out, grab a beer, spread out wherever they want, and uh, enjoy their time uh, that's there. So So on the flip side of that, I'm brand new. I've never been to the festival before. And I'm wondering what to expect. What is the thing that I have to do while I'm there? Enjoy yourself. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, the format of the, the, festival it's set up as a 360 degree environment so like 
all the breweries make a ring. So when you enter through, you're completely surrounded by breweries. And on each end of that circle, it's a little more of an oval now, but on each end of that are two different stages. And uh, if you keep walking straight forward, you're going to walk straight to the shores of Lake Michigan. It's about 300 feet um, off from the sidewalk, which is where the entrance to it is. And you can actually go into Lake Michigan. You can only go up to about your knee, but you can go into Lake Michigan, have the waves crashing against you, and you can actually enjoy craft beer while you stand in the lake. The pier's right next to you. You're hearing the band in the background. We have bonfire set up. So as the sun goes down, we have bonfire set up out on the beach as well. Um, it's just a unique environment to kind of encompass all of the sensory things that you would want. Good taste. Visually, it looks great. You're hearing good music. Uh, you have the company of really great people around you. Um, the the attendees who come in, there's just a energy that gets created as the day goes on. And people are just so excited to be there. Um, it, it's contagious. It's You got to be there to really experience it. But people who have been there just comment all the time. They're like, this is just our favorite place to go. Uh, and we see that. We have um, ticket sales right now. They're in 26 states. Uh, we have three different countries of people flying in for this. So we have attendants from all over the country that come in. And we have a number of people who keep on returning to that. I mean, I, there's a group of bikers out of Wisconsin. I think there's like 11 or 12 of them. They actually pedal bike all the way around the coast and they come up and they camp for burning foot and then they pedal bike all the way back. And like, that's something they've done every single year. So there's just a number of really great stories that make this environment really unique. I'm a face painter. So this one's still my unicorn event because, you know, summertime is pretty big for face painting. Um, before I pass it on to somebody else, though, I'm just curious, um, besides, Three Floyds. Is there a brewery that you're really excited that is there for the first time? Um, you know, I'm excited for every new young brewery that's there. So I know there was there's one brewery, very small. Um, they were on the waiting list at 19. They've been really active for us. Reed City Brewing Company. They they were like, if we can get in, we'll do anything to be able to get in. And they weren't able to get in at 19. And they're in this year. They're just ecstatic to be here. You know, it's not always the biggest brewery that makes the biggest impact that's there. And sometimes, so when, when breweries apply to come to Burning Foot, we let them like write out a comment area. And I remember like Ascension had wrote this really great email. Like they wrote out this comment. They're like, I went there for my bridal, like bachelorette party a couple of years ago. And we loved it. And we'll do anything to be there or bring all of our reserve beer. And they weren't that big of a brewery at the point, but that email, we read them and they make a huge impact to us. And, and it's not always, you know, Bells or Founders or anybody else. Like we're searching out young small breweries to come in and bring their their rare stuff along with them and wow a very captive audience that's searching for the same thing so i right now the reed city is kind of like the one that's sticking in my mind that i'm super excited they're they're in this year um but every year i find a brewery i'm not as familiar with and i always scope them out and talk to the brewer or the owner and try their beer and i'm always wowed by somebody i wasn't familiar with and that's half the fun for us so 
I want to cut in real quick just because uh, when you mentioned Reed City, Reed City has easily been one of my favorite breweries um, that have come out of Michigan over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. We got introduced to them at a fall beer festival, and I believe three of us named one of their beers as like the winning beer uh, of that <laughs> festival. And when I had the opportunity, I went to Ludington. Um, late last year uh and i wanted to make sure i hit reed city on the way back and every single beer that i tried was just so good um so if you are going to the burning foot beer festival make sure you seek out reed city and spend uh, uh, a little bit of time there and grabbing something i'm sorry wendy but it's it was one of those i just need to give them a free little pub just because they do such good stuff over there they do. They do. You know, another one up in that area, because you had mentioned you're going through Ludington, a starving artist. I, Andy, I love that, dude. We go way back. So we let, like, if you're an attendee or a brewer, we're all about express yourself. Like, do your thing that's there. And, and starving artist by far has the most unique uh, booth that we have they actually set up in front of their area a haunted house that you have to go through before you can get the beer <laughs> and you know if you don't like clowns i would say don't go through it you know like go off to the side and get a beer but um they're at, they actually worked with the home brewers club and they did the mob they did two different one-off beers that they're going to be bringing to uh, Burning Foot as well. So to see that homebrew collaboration with Starving Artists and the uniqueness of their booth is a pretty, it's a pretty cool spot. So. All right. I had um, another question here because I, I feel like this comes up pretty much just anyone's beer festival is that, you know, obviously there's quite a few breweries that, that are going to be there at Burning Foot. Uh, but what, I guess what I, I'm kind of curious of just on a personal level is that, you know, I want to try everything. I want to try all the beers. I want to try, you know, from Reed City to Starving Artists to, you know, anything new from Bells or Ascension or Shorts, whoever's going to be there except for one, which I will not name. Um, but the thing that always gets me is that you can't obviously have them all in one day. So, is there any thought or plans of possibly making Burning Foot more than a one-day festival? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that comes up every year. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, one of them is is how it taxes the brewer itself. Like, do they have, you know, enough to put up their brewers for a couple of days in a hotel room? And um, what's our budget look like? And there's just a lot of factors that go into that eventually burning foot will make it into a two day festival. It we're, we're growing into a certain size that we want to be. And we're close to that. A couple of years, I think we'll be there. And then you'll see day two kind of get added to that. We just want to make sure that as we exit day one, that um, we're able to take care of a day two without like overextending ourselves from that. So I eventually we'll get there. There's a, there's a path. We're on that path. We're just kind of like, making sure sustainably we can morph into a two-day festival cool all right dan yeah so just playing off of that too i that would probably make a whole lot make it a whole lot more difficult getting in the number of big bands i mean i'm don't even want to insult the name of the bands i just don't particularly like them but wouldn't it be a bit difficult getting more of those kind of names in there as well once you extend it to two days 
Yeah, you know, if we did so, so naturally, like if we were going to do a two day, um, we'd probably use like a Friday night that's there. And at the moment, Friday night's actually our brewers party. So we have a large number of the brewers that come in Friday night and we do a private like gathering with them. And actually the Michigan Brewers Guild is at that event with us. Uh, we rent out an old World War II ship and we're kind of all on the ship together and having a lot of fun. And um, so we would do a Friday night. It would probably be like a five to nine or 10. And we would do like local and regional acts on that. Be a reduced ticket cost, um, shorter time frame. Um, that's kind of the premise of where we think it'll go. And then Saturday will be kind of the big day that's there. So. Awesome. Now, a big thing I noticed is that both you and the festival are pretty keen on community outreach. Can you talk to us a bit about what it's been like working with uh, things like Noah's Project, Boys and Girls Club, Habitat for Humanity, and things like that? Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, it's truly been amazing. Uh, And we're not done. We're not done bringing on more nonprofits. So even though the guild is really the beneficiary from that, like community responsibility is huge to us. So we want to constantly increase and make the attendees experience that much better. So we have a lot of things that come into play um, where we can tie in a nonprofit in that, but it doesn't make it seem like there's a a bucket and you're just kind of like putting money in it. We want to make it part of an experience that you would naturally think would fit into burning foot. So Noah's project was the first year of us doing a partnership and we had a really good, um, uh, relationship with them outside of the festival. So Noah's project is a no kill animal shelter that's here in Muskegon. And uh, my wife and I, and a number of our board members are big animal lovers. So like, we're always trying to support that initiative personally. Um, so when we brought them on, they actually do our shoe check-in. So because we're in the sand, they do like this shoe bag, chair, umbrella, jacket because the beach could be hot and they get really cold all at once (laughs) so you can kind of like check anything in there and they'll run that coat check valet service for you and all the money that they raise goes to noah's project goes right to them we 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 run a tent for them we give them tables they just have to come and kind of like volunteer it and set it up Uh, and it's become one of their biggest fundraisers throughout the year so that was the first year and we started thinking about what are all the other things that people could do as kind of like part of the festival and let's plug in a nonprofit to that. Cause like we want to run the festival. Let's take the auxiliary stuff and help get nonprofits involved. So next year we brought on uh, boys and girls club and they actually run the bike valet that's out front. So there's a number of bike trails that all lead right to the beach. There's not enough bike racks that are down there. So they actually bring bike racks down. They run the bike valet and same thing. They give you a ticket. They make sure your bike's safe. You go have fun, you know, check your shoes in or flip-flops when you go into the festival and you're helping two nonprofits at the same time. And then the uh, the third um, nonprofit we brought on was Kids Food Basket. And Kids Food Basket is a food-centric um, nonprofit that's based in really three counties, Ottawa, Muskegon, and Kent counties on the west side of the state. And they help um, school programs. They actually bring in and, and they're doing lunch and dinner service to a number of, of students that are out there. And uh, they're just an amazing cause. We are huge, huge supporters of them. So because they're food-centric, uh, we had one thing that wasn't happening at the festival and we didn't have any pretzel necklaces. We had people bringing them in 
But everybody would ask, where can I go get one? And we thought, you know, kids' food basket would be a great tie into this. So they actually make uh, pretzel necklaces. So if you're an attendee and you see somebody else with a really cool pretzel necklace and you've had enough beard, you should probably get one of those. They've got a they've got a basic, a good, and like a better uh, version of it. Like the the best version has you know Doritos and like a pack of Oreos and pretzels. Like it's it's really really cool. Um, but a number of the people who donate to the uh, cause, like Meyer and everybody else, they donated extra products so they could build these and then they could sell them at the festival. And that's another fundraiser for them. So we're taking things that are really fun. Uh, people want to be engaged with it. And it's a fundraiser that goes directly to them. So it's been a awesome, awesome thing that we've been able to do. And we've got a couple more nonprofits we're going to bring out in the future um, as well. We're just kind of getting things back up and running this year and we'll probably intro a new uh, nonprofit next year. So Awesome. I always love the creativity you see in some of those pretzel necklaces too, like when people have entire pizzas attached to it. I don't know where they come up with that. I don't know either. I'm somewhat (laughs) envious because usually I've been on the beach for about a week and I see somebody else with like a big pepperoni slice and I'm like, I really (laughs) want that right now. (laughs) So I want to talk about the first year of Burning Foot, since you're in the sixth year now. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what it was like running the very first one? And is there yeah. anything you wish you could still do or have again that you did that year? Um, you know, I'll just say we learned a whole lot. Um, we were understaffed for volunteers. <laughs> we didn't we didn't have enough power. You know, there was just a lot of things whenever you start a festival, you come up with kind of this game plan and you execute it and you just learn a ton of stuff uh, from it. Everything that was part of the festival has only gotten bigger. Um, Like the music stage, you know, we somebody at the end of 19 showed a side by side of the stage of year one and the stage of, of 2019. It was just like this night and day view of it. Um, I don't think there's anything I would change from year one. It's just, it's just how it goes. You know, it's just how it goes. You learn, you improve on it, you make it better for anybody who's attending and you keep pushing forward. Now in 2014, uh, when you, that was the correct year when the, when the event started, if I remember um, Muskegon's craft beer scene was pretty new. It was basically in its infancy. Where do you see that it's at now and where do you see it going from here? I think it's in a, it's in a great spot. Uh, it's in a great spot. Obviously, you know, at that point there were two breweries that are open. It was unruly and pigeon Hill. And that's where the foundation of Bernie foot came from. It was actually the owners of pigeon Hill and the owners of unruly myself and a, and a couple of the people. And we were literally just sitting around having beers and somebody came up with the idea of like, we don't have any beer festivals on the West side of the state. Why don't we do something? And, and then <laughs> burning foot <laughs> came from that. Um, the scene then to the scene now is is night and day. You know, we have we have Rake Beer Project that's added to the, the Muskegon-centric beer scene. Uh, there's a new one getting ready to open in North Shores. We now have three of them up in Whitehall. Uh, you know, the, the craft beer scene for Muskegon County has just gotten amazing. And then, of course, we have distilleries we're adding to that as well. So within, you know, a mile and a half range of Muskegon, you can visit you know, six different craft uh, uh, beverage establishments, which is a really cool, cool thing. 
Now, you may not be able to find all the distilleries, but you can find all the breweries, including the upcoming ones, over at the Michigan Brewery Map app, which is a free app for your Android and iOS, created by us here at Better on Draft. Go check it out. You'll be able to see everything, including what they're selling, too. So for the, you have those pesky drinkers, you know, your friends that might not want beer. We tell you which breweries carry wine, cider, mead, or spirits. Or if you want to, you know, just go to town and you want to eat and you want to have a whole night out, we tell you which ones have their own kitchens. That's the great part about the Michigan Brewery Map app. Now, for festivals, for me, I've, I'm have i going to be honest, I haven't gone to too many music festivals myself. My music festivals have been limited to, I uh, hope you guys are ready for this, Warp Tour 2003, Warp Tour 2004, Warp Tour 2005. Are you guys seeing a trend here? Um <laughs> That's the only festival that I've ever been to um, with, like, multiple stages. Uh, again, as a – like, hearing Eve 6, Eve 6 was actually a band I was going to see before the pandemic, and the pandemic canceled it. I think they were going to the Blind Pig. Um, so I'm actually sad I'm going to miss Eve 6 while they're in town. Uh, I know Dan's yet like you – know, <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan does not understand the love I have for, like, the new metal and the pop punk. Is there for, – for you, though, personally, you – Alan, is there a band or artist that you would love to get to perform um, at the festival that you just haven't gotten a chance to secure yet? Well, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. Oh, because, <laughs> you know, I I'll, I shouldn't let any cats out of the bag. It doesn't mean anything's committed. Well, in in 20, before we had canceled, we were actually having a really, really good ongoing conversation uh, with the offspring. Uh, and we were we were close to like maybe being able to get them to come in and headline for us. And that was for me like it. You know, I know they're not the biggest band in the world, but like, man, if the offspring's on the beach in Muskegon, it's going to kill it. Like imagine that environment to be able to see them. Uh, and then, of, of course, pandemic happened, you know. We ate up a lot of our reserves just staying afloat, and this is kind of a rebuild year for us. So I hope, I hope we could get back to that realm. Uh, I know they're they're on our radar. There's been active conversation, not this year, but there's been conversation had with those guys. But, yeah, it's it's possible you could see a band like that out there in the next few years. So. I I so speaking of all those warp tours I went to, the offspring did not tour for a while and then randomly came back during the warp tour. And I wound up missing the offspring because um, if you have ever been to the warp, at least back then, I don't know. I don't, I think the warp tour did like their final send off year, um, but you didn't crowd surf at the warp tour. Basically people just crowd tossed you um, <laughs> where like, it was just like a heave ho. Like if you were up here, like uh, on people's arms, they didn't just like pass you forward. They just pushed you as far as they could, as hard as they could um, gave my friend a concussion and we had to leave. Um, so trying to see, I wound up getting to see them though, with the mighty, mighty Boston's, um, which was a great show. Uh, And I think they actually just released a new album here, uh, um, really recently. So yeah, I, if, if you had the offspring there, I would easily have made it a point to, to make sure to go there. So maybe for, for 2022, um, that is going to kind of do it as we're wrapping up. Um, all of us are going to have a final question to ask you. Um, so I'm going to pass it off to Rob first and Rob's going to ask you his question. 
Oh, great. I get to throw the stupid question out first. Let's do it. To it. <laughs> I, I haven't asked yet, so don't think that. <laughs> All right. Because um, obviously this this is something that came up back in, uh, I, I want to say it was 2019. It might have been 2018 during the Summer Beer Festival in Ypsilanti. Um, so this, this question is just pretty much point blank. Uh, does your designated driver ticket allow for patrons to get a designated driver to take them home? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Hopefully, Thank the designated you. driver is the driver taking them home. Thanks. Get everyone in the back of a pickup truck and drive them home. Why not? That's I, right. I don't understand how that wasn't clear back then. But since you're offering designated driver tickets, I want the the man behind the festival to officially put it out there <laughs> that you are not getting a designated driver home. I appreciate the clarity. I I guess I never thought of it that way, but yes, we do not supply the designated driver. That's your responsibility. I, I never <laughs> still still to this day blows my mind because the designated driver ticket for the Brewers Guild Festival was always five bucks. And sure enough, if you think someone's gonna drive you home for five bucks, I don't like that's a steal. Like in my in my mind, well, what's the point of even paying? Like, what's the five bucks for anyways? Like, yeah. Um, and, and I think I actually have that wrong. I think that was the winter beer fest that that happened. Oh, that, like, that was a legit. Like, people actually thought that, like, you're going to drive me back. Someone someone thought that they were going to get driven back. Oh, there was no. there was like a long Facebook post, like a full complaint and not like a, a, a troll complaint, like an actual complaint. <laughs> um, those are the festivals where you're supposed to drink the, the high ABV beers. Dan, yeah. Rob. <laughs> No, the summer festival, right? That's what we're right? talking about, right? Summer festival. You walk in, the first thing you drink is fifteen point two. Yeah, that's, cool. that's how it works. You know, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll save this for that's my what question. Power hours for right? So, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll pass it to Dan. Oh boy! First, I do want to say, I'm looking at the music lineup of a music festival that's happening on the opposite side of the Lake of You this weekend, and your lineup with just one band listed on the webpage is way better. So. I am going to give you credit for that. I don't even know what they're doing on the other side of the lake now. Um, but anyway, so what would we have to do to You're talking about a, Lollapalooza, aren't I am, you? I am talking about Lollapalooza. <laughs> it took me way too. I'm like, what's going on in Wisconsin that you would bring it up? And then I realized you were referencing Lollapalooza. Yeah. Which, Dan, you weekend in August your, every your, year. Your favorite band with middle-aged Fred Durst leading it is uh, headlining tomorrow. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm skipping the day that he is not there, or skipping the days there when we go to the one in San Francisco, or in... Um, Sacramento, sorry. Um, anyways, what would we have to do? Here comes a stupid question to get a Edward Forty Hands tournament brought into your festival. I think that'd be a good way to really increase interest for it. So you have to first you have to get me familiar with what Edward Forty Hands is getting. Oh, okay. So Edward Forty Hands is where you tape a forty to each of your hands. Your hands are now basically forties, and you have to be the first one to finish both of them. No, since I don't have any 40 ounce containers in the bus, I think it'd be kind of hard. I'm pretty sure the MLCC might have a little bit of an that too. They're not going to be fans of that. Dan, I don't I feel think they're like going to be fans uh, of that. Oktoberfest, Dan's trying to just eliminate the, the Steinhoist and replace it with 40 ounce fast drinking. Yeah, why not? I'm sure we could raise a lot of money for charity that way. I'm sure we could. Where you, where you put minus 110 odds and people start betting on people and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's where you get like the the um what was the black widow or whatever that the tiny girl who like 
destroys all of the hot dogs on the hot dog eating contest. Yeah. <laughs> you get someone like that who crushes everyone in it. Um, Rob, or not Rob, Wendy, what's your final Wendy. question? So my question is, um, I'm pretty, you probably know at least some of the beers that are coming to the festival. Is there anything that you are really excited to try or you would like to tell other people they need to try? Well, um, I, yes, I would, I'll just say that there's going to be a lot of really good beer that's coming this year. Uh, it gets released, um, in the next couple of weeks. We're just working on getting it done, but there's some really cool stuff. There's some reserve beers. There's some one-offs. Um, it's going to be a good lineup. Yeah. You'll see probably 500 different drafts out this year. So, wow. Um, quite a bit. Uh, yeah. looks like looks like Nick's trying to join us, so maybe he'll uh, he'll be able to hop in and ask a, a final question. Um, but I will uh, start off with my final question, which I had. There he is. I had on. Uh, um, so you are the CMO over at Wonderland Distillery Distilling, and I want to give you a little a little promotion and shout out. Um, so why don't you give us the the thirty second promo? Talk to us about Wonderland, what you guys do over there, um, what you guys sell, where you guys located. Sure. Yeah. So outside of Burning Foot, I'm also one of the owners at Wonderland Distilling Company. So we're a whiskey-centric distillery that's based in Muskegon, Michigan. Uh, we have a cocktail bar that's actually in the lakeside area. Um, we make some clear spirits as well. We do raw, uh, we do a gin and a vodka, but um, uh, our, our go-to is always going to be the whiskey. So um, we do a lot of really great creative uh, craft drinks that are there. We actually have a kitchen that's open as well. We do a a Southern California style taco program that's there and Korean nachos and some other really amazing food that's there as well. So we distribute the whiskey throughout the state. Um, so you can find it at most of uh, your local stores. Um, it's a blended whiskey made of rye, wheat, corn, uh, and it's winning um, a lot of national and international awards uh, for being our first year out. We've entered five competitions Three of those had released results, and we've medaled in all three competitions, including San Francisco World and Spirits uh, Festival. So, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick. Uh, I know you were a little bit late. You missed probably the whole interview. Do you have a question here for Alan before we say goodbye? Since I was trying to put my kid to sleep for the last forty something minutes, I have to go with my go-to here. <laughs> And everyone knows it on this show, especially if you're a listener. Guilty pleasure beer in the fridge. What is it? Pabst Blue Ribbon, for sure. Ooh, okay. Nice. <laughs> that was that was with conviction. Did yeah. you lose any time on that well, one? If I can find it, I'll keep old style in there also. So so it's but Paps coming from uh being in the beer industry for the last 10 years. That was an accepted beer that might have been in the back of the brewery in the cold fridge after a long day. I know uh, old style is is very, very hard to find. Um, I know being on this side of town, um, on the east side of the state, I've only found one place that actually sells it in packs of 12. Um, it was by random chance. Um, and I know uh, the first time I had it, I was basically a, a freshman in college at this little hole in the wall bar in downtown Detroit, Wayne State University. 
I thought it was good. It's good beer. Mm-hmm. Not not a, not a bad beer to have in the fridge. So it's, yeah, it's the budget beer. You know, <laughs> after you're done mowing the lawn, like you're always cracking one of those open. <laughs> yeah, well, PBR ranks right up there too. But you know, yeah. uh, you know, as we say it on the show, uh, budget beers are some of the best beers out there for mowing the lawn, working in the yard. You know it. So that's true. Yeah, yep. very true. Best beer is a free beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's true too, Ken. That's true too. Uh, that's going to do it better on draft. The Michigan series number fifteen, Burning Foot Beer Festival. Uh, tickets still on sale. They are. Yeah, you can They're find going them fast. at. You can find them at uh, burningfoot.beer or on our Facebook page. Uh, there's multiple links to be able to get right to the ticketing app as well. All right, go check it out. Listen to some music, drink some amazing beer, and that's going to do it. Michigan series number fifteen. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's. Better on draft. Have a good night. Peace.